Look, bruh, all I'm doing is connecting the dots. A work of art of the highest quality. And what will you do with the big, big, big money? But I guess I'll make a lot of money, so here I am. Connect the dots, be clear. But music was noise, and I thought art was bullshit. I want to be an artist. Oh. Be, I'm not a piece of art! Yes, bravo! If money is all that you love, then that's what you'll receive. It really was. It was a work of art. It's not about money. It's about sending a message. Hey, just look at that sky. It's a work of art. Ha, nature never knew colors like that. A man can be an artist. And anything, food, whatever. It depends on how good he is at it. Creasy's art is death. He's about to paint his masterpiece. It's a work of art. Make that money, get paid. Man, this is gonna be a masterpiece. Father to connect the dots. This is an art gallery, my friend. And this is a piece of art. Simply connecting the dots. Yeah, well, money talks and bullshit walks, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's how much you know about art. You can make a lot of money making movies like this. You have to be a bit of a rebel to be an artist of any kind, I believe. You're gonna make a lot of money, pal. Only a highly suspicious paranoid cynic, or someone like me, with, a, with an eye for clues and patterns, could possibly connect the dots. Hi everyone, welcome back to Connecting the Dots. I'm your host, Justin Stonemaker, and uh, we got a fun show today with a great guest. So I'm just excited to get into it. But like, I have to say, every time that opening of Connect the Dots starts, I get pretty, I get pretty psyched. So I don't know what to do with all this energy. So I'm going to jump right into our first topic, which is uh, what's going on in art and money. My favorite topic, our show's favorite topic. And so... I, we got it. We got to talk about the TikTok ban because every social media app I go on, Instagram, Twitter, that's what everybody is talking about. And so, and it's very clearly a battle between art, money, and politics, the third thing, which I don't love to talk about as much. But uh, I thought I could actually share a little perspective, which is in 2019, I actually worked for TikTok as they launched in America. I was tasked with finding influencers from other apps to come on and kind of writing content for them and kind of spreading the gospel that was TikTok across other social media platforms, including at some point I was making TikTok ads to run on Snapchat. And that to me is still to this day, one of the weirdest jobs I've had in advertising where it was just like the snake eating its own tail. Um, but even when I was working for them for that short period, it was very clear that they were backed by the Chinese government and had a lot of money and were not they were willing to spend it and I was very happy to get it. Um, so that's like my own personal, like I I'll always look at TikTok as kind of this fun thing I got to be a part of as it launched. And then thanks to the pandemic, it now is like a key part of everybody's life. And uh, it actually 
TikTok kind of connects to this show in that, so one of the ways I've ended up working for the Hope For Us Network, which Connect the Dots is on, was I would go into a coffee shop in Chicago called Old Sip of Hope, which is part of this whole group. And every day I would just be like, it was a block from my house. I don't like to work from home. So I would go in there and I'd be writing and working on like, and uh, I'd be telling everyone who worked there about this thing called TikTok and everyone, you know, like the younger people behind the counter were they were feeling their age for the first time because they're like a new social media thing. I don't want to join. And in fact, someone who worked there, um, I just kept pushing on them. Like you need to get on this network. And while I claim no right to how big their careers got non-binary cowboy, Charlie James um, was able to create, like become a huge, I think key part to what looks great about TikTok. And so that's sort of why I don't want to see it banned. I think, sure the government seems to think it's you know people spying on us and they're using this and i i i can't you know anytime they start talking about security i just assume they mean restricting people that of course makes me paranoid but like banning tiktok because they're worried about people spying on us i just think i think there'd be other ways they'd be spying us i'm sure we're all putting our information out there all the time anyway so i just don't i find it hard to believe that this is the reason why we're gonna ban something like I, I think it is about money. I think I think the other social media apps are looking at like how much they're losing to TikTok. Like as someone who works in advertising, you kind of begin to see TikTok is the whole world. It's it's everything, and I'm sure there's major brands that are uh, don't like having to spend all that money on it. And so, like to me, when I first I had actually heard about this TikTok ban a few months ago from some people who had also worked for them. Um. I always thought the ban would be because social media is a bit of a drug. Like I always thought that would be the fake concern pol politicians would use, not security, that they would just be like, because we are kind of addicted to it. And I always thought that was going to be their way in, but that isn't this. And to me, I think like that's a real clear thing. That's like TikTok is a great place to spend an hour, you know, learn something new, uh, waste some time. There's some freaking amazing creators doing some great work on that platform. And so like, uh, you know, I don't want to see TikTok banned. I mean, it's, it's so many creators are finding a way to make an income and build a career. And like, if you're an artist, like, you know, after Twitter has been Elon Musk and now we're, we might lose TikTok, it's becoming harder and harder to build your audience at a time when like everything is getting more and more niched and broken off and so like i know it's like really scary for artists out there but i think the one thing that's true is like i don't think the ban will fully happen i think it'll be if it's the worst it'll be bought by another corporation and we'll kind of get the same thing um and my main feeling on that is because this is my i don't know if this is a controversial opinion or not but i firmly believe that tiktok is the new television tiktok is i think that's where people like are sort of like you know there's people that are scared to join it they're afraid that this is not you know what they want to spend their time doing but like most people i talk to once they get on tiktok the, the story i constantly hear is i don't know we, you know we had dinner we got you know we watched something then we went to bed we watched we both were on our phones on tiktok for an hour watching videos and i'm like that's you watch three episodes of a tv show you watch television tiktok is a new art form it's a new thing and i think being scared of it is you know the wrong move i mean obviously money has gone there and like i think there's art on there i think as a format it's just going to keep becoming more and more um influential i think you can try to hide it and something else will come along i think TikTok is just absolutely our new version of tv we're not ready to deal with it yet um 
but it's it's definitely shortening attention spans. I get why people like don't all love it, but I still think it's very an exciting form. I, I I liken it a lot to like when MTV came out, everyone was like, oh no, it's gonna make everything worse. And but like it was a great new art form. Like so many styles came out of that. So much the way we edit, the way we use color, like MTV was a giant influence on a generation of artists. And I think TikTok is the same thing. And I, I also feel like when MTV came out, if you were like, hey, I, I made a bunch of experimental films, would you watch them? You wanna watch the experimental film channel? <clears throat> no one would say that. No one would wanna watch that. If you call it the music video television, oh, I'd watch that. And that's like, what's so great is like, the art found a way through the money to make something, oh, we, Brands and music videos, great. All these directors and artists and everything were able to let out their creativity in far new ways. And that's what I'm seeing on TikTok. And like that to me is like so exciting. Like I love just feeling movements and change and art can sometimes get stale. And particularly if like, you know, that balance with money. But TikTok is just like pure, raw, uncut, like punk rock of like visuals. And I just like, it makes me so excited to see what people are doing on there and what they're building on. And while I'm, you know, I feel a little old to be on there, I still try to create content for it. I feel this like episodes, like clips from the show I like to put up. And I think TikTok is the new TV. And if we don't embrace that, I think don't be scared. Like, I, I, I don't think it's going to be banned. It's too part of our, it's such a part of our life. I know I'm going kind of all over the place with this topic, but I just really think like to start thinking of TikTok as something wholly new as an art form is really exciting and like of course money's coming in to try to ruin it i mean that's what our show is about that's why i sound like a, every time i watch clips from this like boy you're more paranoid than you think justin um but TikTok, i hope you're here to stay even if you're banned i'm sure facebook will buy your algorithm and your system and we'll get some new crappy version of TikTok owned by facebook or some other company that's here to stay um so i i feel if you're a creator everything's out to get us right now but just sort of ride the wave. I think we'll come out on the better side of it. Um, and for advertising, like, I don't know, keep putting ads up there. Um, so now talking about social media and advertising and videos feels like a perfect segue into my first guest, or my only guest, uh, Red Gaskell. Red. Yeah, what's up, Justin? How you doing? I'm doing um, great, man. Um. I mean, have you had experience creating content for TikTok? You've had to have like done with the aspect ratios and the different filters, or have you been able to avoid that working for years in? Uh, I mean, I used to, cause I worked in social, but I mean, hmm. I kind of haven't, I don't have to generally deal with the deliverables at this point now. So yeah. And I've, I've been using this app that kind of restricts my social usage and um i think it's been months since i opened tiktok so it hasn't really been something i've been using to be honest so i don't really know what's going on there i don't even know about the uh the hearing i've seen like maybe clips or headlines but yeah kind of been out what? of the loop I mean, that's for the best as you like try to be an artist. Like, I mean, what was, I mean, what was your social media addiction du jour? Like, what was your, like Twitter's mine. I can't quit it. I mean, I'm getting closer and closer to quitting it, but. I mean, just all of them. I would just cycle through every single one waiting for like yeah. updates or whatever. So kind of that. And then, yeah, 
now I've kind of curbed well, curbed it. I'm proud of you for that. But uh, <laughs> Thanks, I mean, but that is how we we it is how we met, right? Like the one thing I like I have found in my career is like the connections I make to people always come from a very weird place. And so I was gonna say we yeah. met because of Twitter, right? Like, uh, yeah, because of uh, Cole. I mean. Mm -hmm. I would say it's more because of Cole and Twitter just happened to be the place be uh, the that she may be the medium. Um, I, I don't know. I think like a lot of these platforms are kind of just a medium and it's really like the people, you know, that are using them that make the things happen. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, I think really true. And like um, one of the things Red did last year that I found very inspiring was he kind of took us off the social platforms and into real life, but you were hosting, would you call them like creative brunches or get togethers? Like what, what kind of just like you do that idea? Get togethers. I don't know. I just wanted to see people on a regular basis in real life. So I thought like, if anyone wants to meet up, I'll be at this brewery. And if no one shows up, I'll read a book. But people showed up and we had a good time. So, yeah. I, I think it led to some collaboration. I know I ended up meeting a couple of people there that I've like kind of got yeah. to work with a little bit. And yeah, like, I, 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 I saw Fang shot the behind the scenes for your uh, yeah. film production that happened a few weeks ago. Or yeah. was it months ago uh, at this point? I'm March certainly feels like months for sure. That's, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, particularly you were like on, you were on some giant long adventure, right? Like what, what was the, like, I feel like you were in three countries over the court last, since the last time I talked to you. Yeah, I was in uh, Argentina and then I was in Brazil. Uh, that was for work. Uh, and then after that, I went on a family trip to the Philippines for three weeks. I think it's important if you know you're going to be working for a long time and like no breaks to kind of schedule your vacation ahead of time. Uh, otherwise, you'll just never kind of like take that break you'll or go on vacation. No, yeah. that's any freelancer listening. That is great advice because like you'll just there'll always be a job coming. Like, uh, and yeah, I'm going to Greece in May, and I'm so happy to have it on the schedule because like yeah, May and April have thankfully been very busy, and I'm just like, oh no, I I'm gonna say no to something because I already have this vacation plan, which is like free. Yeah, yeah, you just have to know when it, what is enough for that time and then kind of move on <laughs> yeah um okay something i've always wanted though this is like again i get to just kind of figure out people i know and friends with how did you yeah. kind of get into i mean like tell me like you, i would call you direct and produce and like commercials and films and how did you kind of get into that um i guess it started when I was working in-house on like marketing team for a company and we would be writing all the briefs and then we'd hand them off and I'd see the either the creative team or an agency kind of make the thing. And I was like, I don't like sitting here writing the briefs. I want to be on the production side. So uh, I just basically spent a few months researching, planned when I was going to quit saved money for like three months so i had some uh some money in the bank in case everything went wrong um, and then uh and then i started freelancing and i just took like whatever jobs people would hire me for um it went well for like maybe seven months or so and then i had to like take on like a more full-time role again uh and then i was freelancing more on the side uh and it was just like the first i guess 
year or two was very shaky. Uh, so yeah. it was a mix of like freelancing, then going back to a full-time job, freelancing, going back to a full-time job. And then I finally quit. A, so the first time I quit a job was 2017. Yeah. And then the last time I quit a full-time job was 20 end of 2019. And then I had like this, I felt like I was, uh, what's it called? I was, I was good. And then the pandemic happened and then like all production stopped. <laughs> um which sucks that's why i started laughing when you said 2019 i was like oh no yeah uh and but i still had pretty low overhead compared to like most people so i was shooting a lot of like tabletop or like in-home apartment studio kind thing kinds of things for brands so that kind of like sustained me throughout 2020 uh and then 2021 came around and i had some pretty good relationships and then production kind of like kicked off again and it's been going pretty good since then i'd say not the speed i want but like i'm like i'm able to have like a a pretty good life i'd say (laughs) what's the speed you'd want though like i don't know Uh, or less work like just not all at once I think more work. I thought after 2021 that I'd be doing more uh, like commercials, but I'm still doing a lot of like indie direct to consumer. Like I have a lot of good direct to client relationships. So I'm doing a lot of like smaller jobs still like under a hundred K. So I thought I'd be able to kind of break into the larger 200, 500, you know, quarter, $750,000 jobs, maybe on track to do like some million dollar commercials, but um, it's fine. (laughs) They're coming. They're coming. Also, like, I've never done anything over, I think, 250 for, but like, I've worked as a a copywriter on those big ones. And like, they're such, like, you you might be avoiding something that you'll be very happy that there's such an asteroid there coming to destroy you, but you got to experience it. Yeah, no, I do like that, like these smaller to mid-sized jobs, they're not that stressful. I mean, they are stressful, but I imagine the the more money that's on the line, the more people are going to be like yelling at you. So I don't know, it's kind of chill. I kind of like where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, that's, I think, so what the reason with, with this show is one of the things I've always wanted to have a guest is like, I am intrigued by the idea. I've always wanted to do something like I basically call the failing artist, which is I think we all are feel like failures internally because we're not doing exactly the thing at the level that of the people we look up to. But Mm -hmm. in fact, we're actually quite successful and helping people like talk about that and realize and being truthful about the way up, because like that's the other thing that always drives me nuts is it's always like, well, struggling, struggling. And now I'm here and now I'm directing a Transformers movie or whatever. And it's like. I want to talk to artists and show people that there's like all these different paths and like, as long as you enjoy it, mm-hmm. that's, that's the thing. And that's one of the things I was really attracted to you when you, I met you read was like, you always are off doing projects. You're not just like trying to chase down clients. Like you're always experimenting. And like, I just think that's the way, like, like, have you always been like that? Like, or was that something that kind of came as you went into 2020, like experimenting, trying new visual things or yeah um i just thought like what are the things that are in my control and what are the things that aren't and like me getting like better at certain like technical skills 
is are things I can control. Meeting people like you, like going out mm-hmm. to lunch, talking, mm-hmm. setting up writing sessions. Those are the things I can control. Like, uh, I I guess after 2021, I've been doing a lot of more treatments and bidding on jobs and losing. And like, I can't control who they pick. I can only do so much. So, um, you know, between the time, you know, between now and like the next job, like I should just be getting better at like what I do. Right. So the next time they hit me up, like maybe I will win that job. And I like, it's, I, I, someone's like, if there's any artists watching, like 2022 for me, I like, I won two bids, like the first two weeks of January. I was like, boom, this is going to be a great year. I did not win a bid the rest of the year. Like it was like ice cold. And like the only way you can deal with that is just like throw yourself, like, you know, you find other things to work on. But like, as a director, I was like, I could not win. And like, you can either like look at yourself and like what's wrong, or you can just be like, whatever, it's not my year. Like focus on the stuff you can control. Like you're talking about, like get better technically, get better at writing the decks, you know? And so I think it's just really key as an artist, like to just realize how little control you have over the money side of it. Um, And that, like, you just keep getting better at what you do because that's actually what you love more than anything. That makes. Do you feel feel the same way? Like, um... yeah, and also just like knowing. I mean, I think I used to want to do more commercials, and I'm like, that's not the only career path that there is. People do them because they make you money, but like, there's other ways to make money as a filmmaker. So, like, just don't, I guess, be so pigeonholed or like have tunnel vision with like trying to get all those shots, unless that you that's the career path you want. I think just like knowing right. what you want is super important, but yeah. Do you know what you want? Like, I mean, I don't, I feel like there's, I've talked enough with you. I know that you have a passion for like telling more stories. I know you writing's becoming a part for you. Like what's, what's the end? Like where would you like to get to? Uh, I don't know if there is an end. I think I'm like constantly reevaluating like every few months, like what, what I like doing. Like I learned a lot on this documentary in Argentina and Brazil. And like, I used to think like, oh, it'd be cool to be on assignment for a full year traveling from place to place. And this was pretty exhausting because I was shooting it. I'm not editing it, but I was shooting and directing it and I don't know if I want to do that. Like there's a lot of like Mm. the film part, like I thought about, but like the actual logistics of traveling from place to place and just how tired you get kind of sucks. Yeah. So I was like, maybe (laughs) I don't want to do that. So, um, (laughs) I mean, the other thing is I, I, I think about like, I've only really been doing this full time since 2019. So there's a lot of things I'm still doing for the first time. So I kind of have to just like try it and see, and then like think about it after. Yeah. Um, but you like find a way to keep that passion for it. Cause like, yeah, there's that whole, okay, I, I did this. I didn't really love it, but like, what, what's the next thing? And like, like, how do you, yeah. you refill your passion for this stuff or for the stuff you want to be doing? Like I, you've made some, I mean, I like you've made two really great documentaries that won awards. Like, yeah. Um, um, we're like making those like a way to kind of refill your creative spirit. Yeah. I mean, 
that was, I guess, kind of one of those rare things where it was like, yeah, it was a commercial client, but it was also very personal and it like, it was very like, it just checked all the boxes, but, and not everything has to be that, but I think maybe just like separating your identity from work sometimes, like <laughs> this is the path that I chose to, to, to also make money, but it's also, it also just happens to be what I like as like a person a creative person i guess and um i think one of the things is just like having small a small list of experiments that i want to do every day or like what's the one thing that will kind of make my day creatively and then just make sure i i schedule the time to do that whether it's mm -hmm. writing or what i did uh, the other day with the uh, the lighting test and just that short scene that took like an hour of our time. So um, they don't have to be big things. They don't have to be like full on projects because those things sometimes take months or years to do. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Like I, I find particularly if you're like, I, since I primarily work as a director and that's like the end career goal for myself, I, a lot of times you don't get a chance to play. Like you just like, it's always like I'm putting together a big production or I'm putting like, you know, in this short, it's like exciting, but it's going to have months of work. And t and it's just like, I'm very jealous of your ability to like always find a way to do a little thing. I get to write. That's something I can always do. But like, I'm trying yeah. to like follow your mold and like, what's a little thing I can just shoot with my phone that makes me better. Or just something that's like, this is what this Twitch show kind of came out of. It's like, I want something to kind of share my passion one as a career and just talk about film and movies and art and money. Like, I just think these are like, like, again, it's like that replenishing, um, sustaining yourself through the like dull, the ups and downs. Right. And so, yeah, I was going to, um, I don't know where it's going with that. Actually, that's completely lost my thread, but don't worry, red. I have more questions for you. Um, okay. Cool. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, Last week I shared a story about uh, like some of the odd jobs I've done to sustain a career. And one of the things I was writing, I wrote erotic fiction for a blind woman. Um, but I wanted to ask what kind of jobs have you had throughout your career? They're like the weird, the weird one-offs that doesn't have to be anything that weird, but like, I know you've worked in kitchens um, too, right? Like, yeah. Like, is this just like for life in general or for like, for life in general freelance Both. stuff? Both. Okay. I mean, I mean, I just started working in restaurants when I was like 16. So there's that Starbucks, sushi restaurants, you know, all the service industry stuff, retail. Um, I mean, I worked at a startup or a couple of startups. Uh, and then I, for freelance, I mean, I haven't had any, I've had pretty straightforward clients either like, you know brands or kind of small businesses um i did speaking of like erotic fiction i did meet someone who because i was doing uh an episode of like um a fictional podcast like rom-com podcasts okay. and i met someone yeah. in their recording studio they said they would record audio like erotic audio books as well on some days. Yeah. And I was like, that must be interesting. It's like, yeah, we, we got to do like a lot of like Foley and sound effects too. 
So that was that was interesting. I mean, I wasn't working with him on that, but like I learned that, sure, sure, Red, that's that it, it exists. You know, yeah, <laughs> so that's a fair. No, that is. I I, I like. Uh, I also wonder. It's like you know, like when you're making your edits for anything, I'm like, I guess they have to go through the same thing while making porn. Like, you know, you need to like ride the levels. You got to do color correct. You got to, yeah. And I'm just like, that's a job. Like a job. Like I'm sure there's some, like, you know, it's, I'm sure there's someone who also has regular client work. Who's on the side does color correction for browsers. It has to exist. Right. Um, but do you miss like when you were working like the more like in the kitchens? Do you miss that kind of chaoticness? Like I feel like when I worked in restaurants or retail, there's like a camaraderie to the chaos. And I was like, I like film production kind of gets a bit of that. But I was just like, did you love those jobs or were they? No, sometimes I miss them because they have structure and you know what you're getting. Like there's a start. There's a there's a it's a full start to finish with the day. There's like the opening list you know and all the closing tasks and everything in between and you know it's like extremely predictable whereas like this is not as like predictable or reliable at times so um that's some like the structure of it it, i think is missed in the same way that like school provides that like you know what there's someone kind of someone else kind of responsible for your trajectory Whereas, like, yeah. you know, this career, it's like, it's all up to you. <laughs> no one to blame um, but yourself. It's true. It's really true. Um, going back to that. So when you are, like, working with a client or on a job, this is something I always strive for. And I don't know if I can always achieve, but we spoke about the two documentaries you made. Do you find it hard or do you try to kind of always put your stamp into a job or do you just sort of treat it as a separate entity? Or are you trying to like put your creativity into these jobs that are often about just money? Uh, it depends. Like some of the projects like those square ones. Yeah, I definitely mm-hmm. did. But other times you kind of have to read the room and read the treatment and like kind of understand the client like sometimes they just want to hire you to do something because they can't do it so (laughs) you kind of have to detach any sort of personal attachment or like it's not you know it's not my personal art so i'm okay with them making all these changes because i'm just like they're the ones paying for it okay that's totally fine um i have no I have no qualms about it or like having, I have like no ego about, oh no, I did this. So it needs to be my way. Yeah. Whatever. I'll, I'll go do that in my own free time, which they have no access to. <laughs> That's I like that. I mean, like I, I mean the, the, so I love to sell the right in the show when you're able to kind of like, do something that's for money and able to sneak in art. And I think you've like, you know, those two docs, I think are a great example of something like that. But I'm also fascinated by like two directors. We, I know we like are both into the Daniels are someone who like, you know, they direct, I talked about them last week, winning all the Oscars for everything I wrote once, but you watch all their commercials. They were made by them. And like, I've, I've always wondered if they're just like, is there ever one where they just had to be like, eh, we just gave you exactly what the brief was and weren't able to jam their creativity in. And so that's where that's lately been my mm. like thing I'm trying to figure out is like how much of me, no matter what, can I put in this? Or like you said, read the room and just like, dude, you just need to account. Like it's just cute people talking about baby products, Justin. Don't 
don't yeah. make it your own but um, yeah i wonder if there's stuff they did that was for money that they just never shared or posted that has none of that you know yeah like um i got to work with jonathan glazer who's like you know one of the best film directors he's under the skin um and he's made some great commercials but i worked on him on like a firestone commercial and just even in that, he was so focused on this, like, one little thing that ended up being the best part of the commercial. And I'm just like, is it me that I don't, like, I often feel like you where I'm like, okay, I came in here. I know what you want, but, like, can I push you? Like, it's that thin line, too, where you're like, can I push it too far and lose this job or in the bid? Like, so, like, my mm -hmm. goal in 2023 has been, fuck it, going for it. Like, if they don't like my wildest swing, I don't want to work, you know, work with them. But yeah. I don't know. I find that's the hardest struggle. And I know like you must face that every day as well, where you're like, and I like your, I like your idea of just like, I still have to keep a space for my own creativity. But Yeah. I mean, I, I think I might not be at that level yet, to be honest. I'm not getting a ton of commercial mm -hmm. bids. Like I'm not represented or anything like that. Uh, mm -hmm. They come like, you know, maybe a couple times a quarter. Um, mm -hmm. But for those jobs, yeah, I mean, like, I think mm. at that level, you kind of, that's what your differentiation is, right? You, they are paying directors because of who they are and what their kind of like personal touches. And they, yeah. those directors probably already have a pretty established style. I, I'd say I'm still developing it because I don't really know yet. And I just, I only have like less than five projects that are kind of at that level uh two really <laughs> to be honest <laughs> they're good i mean um, i think you're underselling yeah. how good your work is but yeah I, I understand yeah yeah but i'm just saying that like it's kind of uh i'm still at the beginning of it i think and um the the a lot of the jobs i'm getting now are still a lot of those like it's like client services they need like videos done for like e-commerce stuff or short yeah. ads they're not necessarily like campaigns where they want like an, a director to input their style and have like you know this, it's not like a, they, they aren't they basically just aren't large commercial jobs yet right where those okay. conversations well, then, are happening yeah yeah um like it's the next question then is so what's the next passion work like yeah i know you're always writing i'm like i'm dying for you to make a i want you to make a narrative film i want to, i want i want into red's brain to see what that looks like and so if yeah yeah so i mean i don't want to jinx it but okay. the trip to the philippines i learned a lot of stuff and that gave me a lot of like ideas for things that i want to like continue developing and writing um i think uh you know bradford young right of course yeah so he did a really good interview uh i think i saw the video in august uh but he talks about like trying to understand his past so that he knows the types of like projects he would work on and that's why selma was so important to him because he came from like a family of activists uh yeah. so that kind of influenced the way he approached that project which i thought was really cool mm. so i was like oh, okay maybe i keep searching externally for like what the next thing is and let me just kind of like look internally to kind of figure out what i should be doing so 
that's kind of like the 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 the, the phase of development that I'm in right now. The the eternal struggle of like, what am I interested in? What can I do? And what do I want to do? I feel is like yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's I highly recommend Rhett following Rhett on all social platforms because he's constantly showing great stuff about people talking about creativity and just like there was that Ethan Hawke interview I hadn't would have never seen because of you where he's just like talking yeah. about his career and his path and I just think again as artists it's very hard to like walk a line of that like I'm doing it I'm making it. And at the same time, it's just completely like, I don't know what I want to do. Like, it's like, you yeah. know, it's, 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 it's scary. And so like stuff like that just reminds you that, oh, I'm not the only one. Like, and so yeah, like that's totally. totally, um, but well, I'm sure you have something to get back to something, hopefully creative or fun that you get to do or a bid, one of the two, but yeah. really, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me today. Oh, and uh, awesome. let's Anytime. meet up in person uh, next week. If you got time. So. Definitely. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Red. All right. Bye, dude. Right. Right. All right. So we are on to our next segment, which is kind of my favorite segment outside of talking to someone. Uh, we're going to do this week's movie subgenre theme, which is, might sound very f- silly on the surface, which is when cars attack. Um, you'd be shocked about how many movies there are where cars attack people and hunt them down. But in fact, there's a lot. And, uh, some of your favorite directors have actually kind of done this. So, um, the way I kind of found out about this genre was actually Steven Spielberg's very first movie, uh, Duel, which is basically the average, you know, every man is, um, chased down by a big giant truck that we never see who's driving it now is you know there's someone behind the wheel but it's never given why he's doing this and the reason why this movie is important is one somehow this dude spielberg made this at like 25 for a tv movie that was so good that they actually released it in con so i counted as his first movie but it in fact um did so well it's the movie that got us jaws which i think like fundamentally changed cinema forever i mean that's not not, not what i think that's in fact absolutely true um so like dual here like you can see the clip here it it's a masterclass in just like pure filmmaking like i don't know how the dude does it but like it's just so filled with tension and great shots and apparently shot it in seven days which i i don't in 1975 or seven like i don't even know how that's possible um but so that's the very first when cars attack movie and i think again this silly genre gives us Jaws, which brings me to the next movie I want to talk about, which I think is a more clear version of the When Cars Attack, which is the movie called The Car. Um, <laughs> the car is about a possessed car that's killing people in Arizona. Um, it is a, I would, I would say, like, it's not aiming for high art, but I have to say, I saw this movie a few years ago and I was kind of stunned because it's really well shot. It's really well directed. It's really well paced. I'm kind of feeling bad that I don't have the director's name up right now. Um, But with the movie, like, yeah, this is, these guys are about to get mowed down by a car here. Um, One, I really love that this movie came out in 1977, that it's already kind of doing the POV vision to kind of find a way to do clever shots that, you know, I wouldn't say is an influence on alien, but like it's smarter than you think. And 
I absolutely believe this movie was a huge influence on John Carpenter. It has a lot of his, like, that widescreen, like you can see right there, Western style with the horizon above them. Um, that a lot of the film, down to the score, kind of feels like a prototypical uh, John Carpenter movie, who's one of my favorite directors, and also the next director of a When Cars Attack movie with Christine. Um, Christine... So John Carpenter, if you don't know, is a legendary director who did Halloween, Escape from New York, They Live, and so he's got a he's got a lot of classics. That guy, and I think Christine has kind of over the years been sort of lost, but it's in fact this like really prescient movie about not not about a car attacking, but like the main character is just sort of um, consumed by his masculinity and becomes kind of it's kind of like a the lead character is what I would call like an early incel um, uh, scene on screen. He just treats women terribly. He thinks like having this cool car will make him cool. And like, so all his ego kind of comes out through this vehicle. Now, this is, this was a, I believe a novel or short story written by Stephen King. And I've always felt like one of the things about when cars attacks, um, that makes them interesting. And so just like, you know, right now I would say we're all obsessed with like the eighties and nineties, right? We're all looking at the past. So in the eighties, everyone was obsessed with this like fifties and sixties nostalgia. And that's kind of the twin anchors of like the eighties is Steven Spielberg and Stephen King. They're the two guys that I think defined that era. I don't think that's like disputable in any way. And they all made stuff about hot rods dudes it nostalgia for this era where they were teens which is you know a great thing about an artist is that they can kind of pull and like miss and like again it's that art and money kind of working in coordination there um where like they were able to you know they were making money so you could sneak anything in now the one thing i think about christine that's fascinating is even though it's based on the john uh stephen king story john carpenter i think really kind of dislikes stephen king and really dislikes this like the, the nostalgia for the fifties and sixties, because he's much more of an angry, I would say even liberal director in the sense that he's like, no, this was not great. Greasers were terrible. It was terrible for women. And so Christine actually gets this really transgressive power going on because even though this is made in 19, I want to say 87, at the height of the nostalgia for the fifties and sixties, he's like, no, nah, don't be fooled. It was terrible. And this car that's a perfect representation of it is a monster. And so I think, again, John Carpenter was able to find a way to take what was going big in money and sneak in his art and commentary. And so I feel while Christine was sort of lost over the years as one of the great John Carpenter films, I think, as, as you can see just from some of these clips, it's pretty incredible and kind of honestly one of the best films, certainly of the 80s. I think it's just like absolutely stunning. And it would be better remembered if John Carpenter didn't have so many great movies. But I think it's absolutely an uh, example of... Uh, art triumphing over money and talking and like talking about bigger things. But I will say the last of the cars when cars attacks I'm all over the place today, guys, um, is directed by Stephen King, which is Maximum Overdrive. Um, I don't know if you've had the pleasure of seeing Maximum Overdrive, uh, but it is a movie directed by Pure Cocaine. Um, Stephen King basically says he has no memory of making this movie. Um, I can't say the movie's great. But it's very clear a bunch of people are stuck in a diner that are being um, targeted and attacked by trucks. These trucks are, 
uh, surrounding it. Uh, there's no really reason given why, which reminds me a bit of kind of like what M Night would do with like the happening. It has this sort of like kitschy quality. Emilio Estevez is the lead, and he's quite good in it. Um, but Stephen King does not have a visual eye. He's a better writer, though I do love the goblin that you can see up on the screen here. Um, so Maximum Overdrive, I I think, is always remembered as like these this wild, crazy movie, but like. As someone who searches out this stuff, what they would call like cocaine movies, where it's just like you could tell they had all these crazy ideas, it alternates between being wildly interesting and wildly boring. Like there's a lot of dead time in this movie, but I do think it's important to note that like we going all the way back, that both Steven Spielberg and Stephen King, two guys who define the late 70s and 80s in filmmaking and in popular culture, like, you know, Stranger Things, all these things are all deeply, deeply indebted and to them, they both were not above working in the when cars attack genre. And so for that, I think it's actually important to note genre. Um, there's also off of that a little tinier subgenre, which I would call, what did I write down? I, had, I have notes here, guys. Uh, a dangerous psycho with a trucker car. So like, that's your Joyride. That's your um, Death Proof by Quentin Tarantino. That's uh, The Hitcher. All fun movies. I think they don't, they're slightly different again like they're definitely indebted to the wind cars attack subgenre but i think they're their own thing but i think it's also just like i'm obsessed with like you know i think the 80s and technology there's always this like pushback and so when i watch when i see like the wind cars attack subgenre thrive i can't help but say this is in some way a reaction to so the, the increase in technology so which makes me think what's the next wave of what uh when cars attack for our generation or the generation coming up on TikTok. Um, but, you know, if I had to recommend any of these movies, I would say you you have to check out Duel and Christine. I think they're just like, if you love movies, they're two of the best doing it at their best. And like Spielberg is again, like a friggin' baby and just like crushing it out of the park. But when cars attacks, I love talking about it because it's very silly, but also led to some great art and like, you know, they like again the uh, the twin topic of our show like money was like oh nostalgia for the 50s and 60s is big do what you want and john carpenter and other directors found a way to kind of poison that and make their own thing and i think that's something we're celebrating so but speaking of celebrating um i want to talk about for the last part of our show who won the week like who won uh, art or money and uh so this is a little self-centered of a reason but uh this week's winner i'm choosing is film festivals um i spent the last weekend in uh cincinnati at the horror hound film festival and getting to be part of such a big festival was really eye-opening and fascinating and what i mean by that is it was such a comforting place to go as an artist right so like I know we have a lot of artists watching the show and in general, just it was like seeing other people's art, seeing what they're working on. It's this collaborative. It was such a great spirit put on and brought together by this festival. But like, here's the truth that I was like, people don't like watching short films. As someone who just made a short film, I'm, I would love for you to watch it. But like in general, like I'd rather watch a TV episode. I'd rather watch a movie. I'd rather watch a TikTok. And so I feel like short films get the short thrifted because they are like, you know, like 13 minutes. I don't, I don't know what to do with that block of time, but yet film festivals, they've come around 
and they found a way to get people to care. Like I saw, you know, hundreds of people in line, ready to watch other people's short film. They'd rush out after they were done and go see, try to watch others. And particularly like Horror Hound did such a fantastic job of like giving a place for genre and for different kinds of films and finding a way to market them and get people who don't even really care about short films to come and watch it. And I think that is something like totally celebrated because they found a way to hopefully make money and also show people's art. And like, I mean, that is what our show is about. Like they did it. And so I just think that's what really, I don't know, reignited my passion for filmmaking and just being there was just like, you. to be a large degree, if I'm being honest, as a cynical filmmaker, I've dismissed film festivals for a long time. I was like, what's the point? What I don't, unless it's the one of the big ones, you're not gonna, it doesn't really matter. I was wrong, I was wrong. They actually do a hundred great things. They introduce you to artists like you. They give people a chance to see. You get to actually watch. You know how great it is to watch in a full, nice theater with hundreds of people watching a movie? That's a fantastic feeling that, like, you know, we're all chasing. I know it was a little heavy about film today, but it's all art. Like, it's just, I know festivals are extremely difficult and I'm extremely hard to put on. And I sh people's feelings get hurt when they don't get in. But, like, once you're in and the experience they're all trying to cultivate and the people behind the scenes... Uh, that I got to know at the Horror Hound Festival were all just like truly wonderful and truly loved art and didn't care that were willing to volunteer. And so, you know, festivals, they win the contest this week of art versus money. And so that brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really talk, love talking with Red and I hope uh, people enjoy this. Uh, it'll also be up as a podcast on Spotify or wherever else you find podcasts. Um, but thank you so much, everyone. And I just really appreciate getting to talk about art with you guys for an hour. So hope everyone has a great week. I'll see you later, huh? Wait. I'll see you later. I bid you farewell and good luck, morons. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Then in the next episode... It will take place two weeks from today. Hey, that's all. I gotta go.